Strong Enough merch is now available. Go to strongenoughpod.com and see all the things that you can get to show your strong enough pride, as well as remind people and yourself that you are strong enough and you are worth it. Welcome to the Strong Enough Podcast, where we talk about the challenges and celebrate the triumphs of people just like you. I'm your host, Claudia. Today's guest is going to talk about experiencing heartbreak. She's going to share how she was able to get through the most challenging times and what it was like rediscovering herself. She's also going to talk about the importance of connection in our lives. Please welcome Tawani Clark. Tawani, how are you doing today? I am great. How are you? I am also great, and I am so excited to be here with you today because you are truly an amazing energy and light. And I noticed that the first time that we talked, um, which is why I wanted to have you on here so that you could share that amazing energy and light with others. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you very much. Just trying to live up to the name my grandmother gave me. We might have to talk about that then. So since I want everybody else to feel that amazing energy and light, why don't you share with the audience a little about yourself? Well, my name is Tawani Clark, and I don't actually have a middle name. So the Tawani tells the story that part of me is um, from the southern part of Africa. Tawani is a name from the Tumbuka group in Zambia, Malawi, which are where my grandparents are from. And then the Clark is English British. So I am very much a hybrid in many ways in life. I grew up, I was born and grew up in Lusaka, Zambia. And, you know, my parents are still there. Sister is still there. I moved to Denver, Colorado about three years ago. I followed the love of my life and that's how I found myself over here. I have, it's very interesting. A lot of people don't know my undergrad, bit of a nerd I can't find my nerd glasses at the moment, but I'm a, I'm a little bit of a, a nerd. I did I loved sciences at school, so I actually studied agriculture in university and then have a in master's. I wanted to, I realized I was more entrepreneurial than research-based, so I did a master's in business administration. And then my life got turned upside down and inside out uh, when my, my first marriage collapsed. And then I had a major rethink about what I wanted to do with my life and doing something totally different now. I, for the last 14 years, I've been teaching yoga professionally as well as designing clothes. I'm kind of figuring out how to do the designing side of things over here, but I'm full stream ahead with yo- with yoga, but really wanting to work deeper than the general yoga classes to use yoga, meditation, and paradigm shifting to help people just make it through the doldrums of breakups, you know, you know, and it can be so many things that can break our heart. It could be a, it could be the loss of a job. It could be a a breakup. It could be a separation. It could be a divorce. It could be, you know, the passing on of someone really close to us. So much has happened in these last few years in all these areas. I want to start by saying I'm a fellow nerd. So I actually went to high school at the School of Science and Math. So we can nerd out together. 
at some point in time, 100%. So you're also hiding your nut glasses somewhere? Yes, yes, yes. I have them tucked away in my pocket, so it's all good. You talked about heartbreak, and what I really appreciated that you shared about that was how many different things can cause heartbreak, because I do think the traditional uh, perception is that it's a romantic relationship that ends, and now we are heartbroken. You talked about a lot of different things, though, that can cause heartbreak, and really, you know, they cause the same feelings and issues and struggles. I would love it if you would share a little bit about the heartbreak that you experienced in the ending of your marriage and how that affected you. I love that you you bring that up. Now I look at heartbreak more on an energetic point of view. It is a severe, you know, severing of an energetic connection that we have. And this energetic connection can be to a thing. It can be to a situation. It can be to another person. But we are such relational and such social beings that the severing of those connections that we feel are part of our survival is like, okay, I'm not okay. Maybe I'm, am I, am I going to live even? (laughs) Am I okay? So that's pretty much how I, how I felt as, as well. I married in my crazy wisdom of a 21 year old. I married when I was um, 21 and think about 11 years later, it was, it was not working out. It was not working out. And I felt that I could not stay in that relationship without compromising some values that I held very close to my heart. So I made the tough decision to walk out. And that's another thing, Claudia, that sometimes you are the one who even walked out. And that doesn't mean that you, your heart is not broken in that process as well. And I was I was in my early early to mid thirties. I had two two young children, so that made it hard to make that decision. And as hard as that decision was, making the decision, I must say, making the decision was probably the hardest time. It's like, okay, should I? Should I not? That window of indecision was the worst. I mean, it was hard once I had made the decision, but it was a, a little bit easier. I want to just completely agree with you there. I think a lot of us sit in that indecision for a long time, and we don't realize how devastating and damaging that is. For me, I was actually in an abusive relationship, and this was many years ago before my husband, and I was in such a state of indecision. I was getting closer. You know what I mean? Like I was... I was baby stepping my way, but I actually had to go to a therapist to explain everything and say, tell me I'm doing the right thing because I was so broken down at that point that I didn't even trust myself to make a good decision. So I love that you brought up that that indecision can be so devastating to us. What was it? It's limbo. Right. Right. And I think that was when the penny dropped. It's like, I, I think for me, the penny dropped when I realized that 
I cannot change this other person. And I'm not saying that other people can't change. I'm not saying that we can change. But, you know, if, you know, the decision, the decision, the decision to change is a personal decision. It's not something that it can be really forced. And even when we decide that I do want to change, we may not have the tools to change. And yeah, or we we have the tools, but we don't want to use them and we're using them. It's it's a process. It's a process. So for me, the big aha moment that, you know, moved me out of the limbo of should I, should I not was you cannot change this other person. This other person could change and they can change, but do they want to? One, two, what right do I have to enforce upon this other person what I think that they should be? I can take them as they are or leave them as it. That is my decision. So me pushing, I was basically pushing the decision from me to them. I don't want to make that decision. So you, you know, you decide, you, you're deciding the rela- whether this relationship goes further by continuing or not continuing. But no, I needed to take ownership and say, this is not working for me. And I am not going to wait for some, for you to change especially after I see that you are not really wanting to change anyways. And I wouldn't want someone forcing me to to change either. I also put myself, would I want somebody forcing me to change? Why do you think so many of us, and particularly women, do that? As in, we think we can change somebody. We can fix it. We can heal it. We can cure that other person and make them into what we want them to be. And it's all crap. We can't do that. But why do you think so many of us think we can and and go into relationships or stay in relationships that really aren't the best for us waiting to get that person to change? Maybe it's the negative. I mean, I, you know, that is a very good question. And I'd love to hear what some therapists would say about that. But I think it's something to do with our nurturing side side of, you know, wanting to help people, the other person evolve and and change. That could be part of it. And the other part is just being so dependent, being so dependent, whether it's, you know, physically, emotionally financially with the other person that it is easier not to not to think about us making decision and just put it on the other person because we just don't want to confront it's not working I cannot fix I cannot change the other person that is a hard it's it's a very hard thing to contemplate and it's a harder thing to to continue with because lives get so enmeshed and and this is what I'm this is what I'm talking about in my in my work is we get so enmeshed in each other's lives that, you know, the other person, there's, there's almost like a we feed off sometimes each other's energies and we get used to the energy of the other person. And cutting that off sometimes feels like cutting off part of ourselves. And if you have children, there's really the the guilt as well, you know what's going to happen to the children but at the end of the day the children were the reason why I had to leave because I said I do not want my children to live in this environment so the children actually became in the end the reason why I needed to move on I really appreciate that you said that because I feel like 
and I'm not a parent. I mean, I'm a fur parent, so that, there's that. <laughs> um, but I have always, you know, felt like when people say, oh, we're going to stick it out for the kids. We're going to stay together for the kids. That's horrible because there's so much now negative energy and the kids see that. And now you're teaching them that this is what life is supposed to be like. And wouldn't they rather be in a situation where they have two happy parents that aren't together versus two miserable, miserable people together and thinking that that's the way that they have to live. So what in you, you know, really told you that, no, that's not, you know, the, the societal norm of got to stay together for the kids Mm -hmm. wasn't right. I think when it becomes life threatening, Mm -hmm. when your life is, you know, could possibly be in danger. And I think that's where being a mother can save us because you realize that it's not just about my life anymore. If something happens to me, what is going to happen to these children? So I need to survive. I need to survive and I need to thrive, not just for me, but for the sake of the children. And I think it finally came down to like, this situation is not healthy at all. My my life could be compromised. So as hard as this is, and it, it it took a while. It took a while for the children to understand. And, and that was even hard because they were like, you know, you, daddy and you are, you know, daddy and you are not together because of you, because of you. And where I grew up in Zambia, it was really expected that, that the wife, that the mother puts up with this. There's so many things. I mean, if a, if a man cheats, it's like, oh, that's how men are, Right. But if a woman cheats, it's like she's a whore, you know, mm-hmm. you know, leave her. So it's 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 kind of maybe it might not be so much the the case here, but in some circles it may be. There's a double standard as well some of the time. But really, it's to move on. But the moving on, I didn't think that the moving on would be as difficult as it was. I thought that the hard thing was making the decision, but it was really just the beginning. And I think you mentioned with your experience that you were kind of broken down in that experience. You you can lose self-worth. For me, I, I didn't even know who I was. I didn't know who I was anymore because I had walked into that marriage at 21 and I had walked out at 32. And I didn't know who I was. I wasn't the 21-year-old anymore. I was a in my 30s, a mother of two. But what did I want to do with my life? What was important to me? I was, I was like starting from zero again. And it, it almost felt that I had lost 11 years of my life in a way, because I had invested in this relationship. This is how I felt. I felt like I had Im- invested in this relationship. So I was like going out in my 30s, like starting afresh as if I was in my 20s. And that was really demoralizing as well, you know, because I said, oh my gosh, what have I got to show? I mean, of course, the children, I have no regrets (laughs) with the children. And ultimately, I have no regrets, but I had a lot of regrets at that time. And 
I was carrying a lot of hurt. And I didn't even know I was carrying a lot of hurt. That is what's interesting. It was later. It was funny enough. It was five years later. I was in a yoga class and it was quite an intense yoga class. And I was doing a heart opening pose. Um, if you've done yoga before, it's um, camel pose. And I was in this camel pose and I was like, okay. I started to black out. So when people used to say blackout, I, you know, I never really thought much about like, okay, I think I now understand blackout because I would, I stopped seeing, I was just seeing black. I stopped hearing except for this ringing noise in my ear, in my, in my ears. I was sick to the pit of my stomach and I was so nauseous. And I'm like, I was in Cape Town. I had embarked on a yoga teacher training and I was trying to do as many as many classes as I could. So this was a Bikram class. And I was like, nobody knows me here. I better get out of this pose before I pass out. That was the beginning of something's not okay. And then I thought, okay, it's just some weird day. Maybe it's something I ate. Maybe I overtrained. Maybe I did. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And I went back. I did a different pose this time. But also a heart opening pose. This one was cosmic dancer, so it's a balance. And I'm on one leg, same thing, Claudia. Maybe not as intense, the same thing. And I, you know, I spoke to my um, yoga teacher about it, and I realized it's my heart. It's my heart chakra. Girl, you may think you're all right. You're wearing that mask. You think you're going on with your life. You have got stuff to deal with. And you better start dealing with it. The sooner you deal with it, the better. So that was really my understanding that yoga, yes, yoga is fantastic to keep fit, but it's so much more than that. It's really about getting in touch, not only with the physical energy of the body, you know, I think everything is, is energy. So the, our body is really just the densest form of energy. Well, it's not entirely, we've got, we're made of a lot of water, so it's a bit squishy. So the hand goes in. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, but we're also our emotions and we're also our thoughts. And th that's what the whole aura is. And our heart actually emits electromagnetic waves that are known to extend probably 16 feet away from us. So we are basically moving balls of energy, just like the earth has a magnetic field around it. We have our own magnetic fields as too. And those fields are also affected by what's going on in our life. I want to go back and note, uh, we do have a pretty big double standard here as well. So um, it's very much the same all over um, when it comes to that type of thing. So sorry to disappoint you there, but it exists. So moving on from that. Uh, you know, you talked about how it was really difficult moving forward. So kind of after you left and this time that we think of is going to be, oh, I'm healing and I'm better and I'm free now and I'm away was really hard for you. For a lot of people, that's the time when they go back to mm -hmm. the familiar, even mm -hmm. though it's not good. It's familiar. Right. What in you kept you from doing that? What gave you the strength, even though it was so much harder than you thought it was going to be, to keep moving forward? 
and to keep growing and healing on your own. That's a good point. I, I, you know, I almost said, no, I didn't consider going back, but that's not true. I did consider going back, especially when somebody, you know, my ex-husband now seemed to be, you know, more repentant and was, you know, you know, coming towards me in a more open way. I, I, you know, and for the, again, now the kids were like, okay, he's trying, right? He's trying. What kept me not going back in my case is I realized that the fundamental issues hadn't been addressed. And I said, if someone is being nice to me, they're being gracious towards me, but they're not talking about the issue and what they are going to do. And more importantly, what are they doing? What are they, what have they done and what are they doing? And since I didn't see that, that was a big red flag for me to say there has been no change. And what kept me strong was definitely a spiritual practice. Yeah, it was a spiritual practice. We re do require a lot of support. It, it, it is about in the support that we received. I was really lucky to have a very supportive family. So my my mother and my father were able to receive me in in some situations, I've heard of some situations, you know, women come out of a relationship, even if it's a, a an abusive relationship, and say, no, go back. You know, they are told to go back. And I was very fortunate not to have that. I had parents who welcomed me back with uh, open arms. So having that support and having the support of friends and having the support of a community of faith. So I think it's to remember that a breakup is about connection. So if we are losing this connection, and sometimes when we are, and I think this is a weakness that I've seen in myself and not so much in men, but more in women, we start to not focus on our other relationships. And depending on the partner you're with, some partners may be threatened by the time that we are spending with other people. So we become more and more dependent on this particular connection. And these are these are some of the things that I talk about in my courses. You know, we are not meant to be dependent on a few, so few people. We evolved as human beings in groups that were probably at least 100 or 150. I think it's the Dunbar uh, number. So we the negative thing now with the Western way of living is we are reducing the number of connections that we have. And I look at it like a, a table with fewer and fewer legs. And the less legs there are, the less stability that we have and the less strong that we have, we, we end up being. So we really need to foster the friendships, the relationships with family, with, with therapists, Yoga, I think that's the other thing that you, why yoga comes, you know, can come in very handy because many of us will not even see our best friend maybe once a week unless you work in the same place or you live really close. But if you go to a yoga class or some other activity, you'll be there two, three times and you can actually form really good, healthy connections, hopefully as well. I love that. And I love your analogy of the table 
and the legs. And while you were talking about that, I was thinking about kind of how our world has shifted over the last few years and we became more enclosed. You know, we lost a lot of connections and a lot of people still don't have as many connections because now we work from home and we work out at home and you know, we can do everything from home. We can even have stuff delivered to us. So technically we almost never have to leave. How much do you think that is negatively affecting our health and our happiness and our ability to be our best selves? Hugely, hugely. And this is, you know, a big part of what I talk about. And it's, it goes against our very nature. It goes against our very DNA. A big part of why our brains are the size that they are as human beings is because it's designed to keep tab of all the of all the connections. And you know, connections. There's a I don't know if you've heard of the concept of Ubuntu. So the concept of Ubuntu it's from Southern Africa. So Ubuntu means I am because you are. You are because I am. So basically, I am who I am only because of the people around me. You know, apart from, you know, of course, there's the DNA that I came, which came from other people. So literally, even in DNA, points of view, I am because of all these other people who came before me were there and I'm carrying their DNA. But I also am who I am because of my mother, my father, my aunties, my brothers, my sisters, my teachers. Human beings are the probably the most malleable species that there is. And we are, our brains are literally molded. Depending on the interactions that we have. So when we are reducing our interactions and with human beings, we are designed to make face-to-face -face contact. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried to have a conversation or an argument by text. It is devastating sometimes and hilarious sometimes the others because the words do not convey the emotion that the tone of voice will even. So you're better off a little bit with the phone, but then there's the face, you know, the eyes, the cheekbones, the, the body posture, right? And at least you get some of that in Zoom. But when we're in person, remember, we have these fields. So you can feel, we can literally feel each other's fields. And then there's all these other chemical energy messengers that are transmitted when we're in. And if you're going to be in your little bubble, we're not getting that energy in, that exchange of energy, and we're not giving it. So we can't be as evolved or as developed the more we shut ourselves off. I love all of that. It was amazing. And it reminded me of, you know, the saying of we're the sum of the the five closest people that we have and and basically talking about surrounding yourself with positive, successful, uplifting people um, because you're more apt to be that way as well if you're surrounding yourself with that type of person. I want to I want to shift a little bit. I want to talk about what it was like for you to rediscover you, you know, because we agreed that both of us kind of 
felt lost, um, broken, you know, didn't really know who we were anymore. Mm -hmm. Once you got through that, though, you really started to rediscover you. And I want you to talk about what that was like for you to have that experience and to really be in that and really allow yourself to find yourself. That was the best. That was absolutely the best part. I think in the beginning, there was just so much pain and it was so much about the past. It was so much hurt and pain about what happened. And then it was so much pain and hurt of what is now not going to happen, <laughs> you know, that I thought and I imagined would would happen. But for me, it was funnily enough, not having things go the way I wanted that helped me really find who I was. I I ended up working in a law firm because, you know, using my master's degree and, you know, doing some process flow mapping. So I love the people. I love the place. They gave me a financial base. And then I hit the glass ceiling. I had nowhere to go from there. I wasn't a lawyer, so I couldn't become a partner in the firm. And I, I realized that I was not happy just coasting in, you know, on this flat line. Yes, it was stable and reasonably well paying. And then I realized this is not what I saw with my life. And I admired the managing partner because he was living his dream. And I remember going home that weekend after you know, picture this, Claudia, we're in this big, in this big executive boardroom at the law firm. And there's the four male partners that I all got to know very well. And they're wonderful people. They're sitting on one side of the boardroom table. And there's one Tawani Clark on the on the other side. And I'm 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 now, you know, all this men, I'm like, and I'm really emotional. And I'm like, I don't want to be that woman that just is, is crying that you know, emotional and crying. So I barely held it together and walked out literally miserable, not because I was being fired, not that, you know, my my job description, but, you know, changed, but because there was nowhere for me to go. And I sat down in front of my altar that weekend and really just, I do a chanting meditation and I did this chanting meditation. And I love the inspirations that come, you know, whatever your spiritual practice is, Go into it because we are able to tap into energy beyond. For me, that spiritualness is tapping into energies that are really bigger than us and are outside of us because we can circulate in our own. And that's why we need the connections because we get something else coming in and something else going out. And then this, you know, little bit of inspiration came in and says, so is this what you wanted to do with your life? Is this really what you wanted to do? Why are you so upset? Is this what you really wanted to do with your life? And I was like, hmm, no. And then, okay, so no big deal, right? Because this is not really what you wanted to do with your life. Next question. Okay, so what do you want to do with your life? Ooh, okay. I don't really know. This is okay. Kept chant, you know, kept going with my chanting meditation. What do you, what? You know, what do you like? What do you enjoy? And I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, I, I I have been enjoying yoga and my teacher asked to help. And I really 
people admire the things that I've designed, you know, for my sisters from the fabric my mum brings from her travels around Africa. And then it was like, oh, I could do that. So by the end of that chanting session, you know, by the end of the weekend, I was ecstatic. It's like, oh my gosh, I, I could do this and I could do that. And when I walked in on Monday morning, I think the partners were like, I don't know what state Tawani is going to be in, you know, after, you know, we saw her, our last meeting on the Friday. And I was just like, I'm, I'm good. Because for the first time in my life, I asked myself, what do I want? In my heart of hearts, what do I want? I realized at that point, it was always, first, what should I do? What should I do to take care of the kids or to take, you know, take advantage of an opportunity? But then it, it, it evolved to what could I do? You know, on the basis of the resources, what makes sense? And I had never really asked myself, what brings me the greatest joy? Why can I not just go for what bring, gives me the greatest joy? Start there. Some people get to that step and they get really excited and they, they think about that thing that's going to bring them joy and they're super excited to do it. And then fear steps in. What if I fail? What if I'm not good at it? What if, what if, what if? What kept that from happening to you? That is so true. There was fear. And, and, and remember, I was a single mom with two, two children, I think 10 and 5 probably at that point, maybe a little bit older. So not even in high school, elementary school, more or less. So that, that, did, that did happen. And fortunately for me, I hit it head on. You ask yourself, I ask myself that deliberate, hard question. What if I fail? You know, and that wasn't necessarily that same day and that same weekend, but, you know, over, over, over the days and weeks and months that came, I said, okay, because I was again in that limbo. Remember, I we spoke about that limbo. I again reached a different kind of limbo to say, oh my gosh, am I going to stay in this job? which is cushy, but I know my brain is, you know, the nerd brain is not getting enough stimulation or am I going to go in this new, new direction that I really need to even train up to have the skills to even do it. I'm not even going to kid myself that I have the skills. I will have to train up. What is it? And I, you know, the pendulum would swing. Sometimes I would be more on this side and sometimes I would more be on the other side that let, you know, do it. And then it was, Okay, failure. Okay, what if you fail? I mean, that's tough. Sometimes we want to dance around that question. What if you fail? Okay, what if you fail? Um, I'll, get, I'll go and just get a job. I just go back out and get a job. Then I ask myself, wow, that's not so bad, is it? And then I said, okay, let's do two things. You fail. So the worst is you do it and you fail. You get a job. Is that so bad? Not ideal, but it's not terrible. Okay, let's look at the other side, right? 
you don't try and you always wonder what would have happened. Which would, I, which would I rather live with? And when I posed it that way, there was no question. There was, for me, there was no question whatsoever. I would, you know, find it difficult to live with myself if I had not at least tried. So that, for me, that was just a switch. But I always feel that it's, it's, it's not to be foolish about it. I didn't just say, you know, I didn't walk in on Monday and say, I'm putting in my resignation and I'm stopping tomorrow. It, it, it wasn't like that. I needed to plan. I ultimately left three months later. I gave notice. We left on good terms. I had time to develop some savings. I had done some research on where, and, and I think that doing what serves us, and, and I speak a lot in my, in my program about helping people find what really makes them sing, you know, their heart sing, and what brings them joy, but also what plays to their gifts, and how giving these gifts to ourselves and others lights us and lights other people's lives. But it's, it's not a zero-sum game. I think everybody's path is different. So for me, it involved leaving the law firm and training to be a yoga teacher and starting to try out the designs because I also designed clothes. But maybe for someone else, it's starting the hobby that they do over the weekend or painting in evenings or writing. I think everybody's journey looks different. but do do what and sometimes having the job is what enables us to have the time and the resources to do the other thing that we love so i really don't i don't like either or kind of thinking although sometimes for me it, you know it does help and some situations it's either you stay or you go but a lot of the time there is some other options i i like to think of when i am more in tune with, with 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 the energy of life when i'm taking care of myself on a physical level and a spiritual level and an emotional level i can see many options i can see many ways this can come out and i get more and more ideas of oh and that and that and that and that but when i'm really low sometimes there is not even one way out it's not even either or i'm stuck here what would you say to somebody who is where you were in that place of, you know, I'm doing something that's comfortable, I'm making good money, but I don't love it, but I don't know what to do. What is one piece of advice that you would give that person? And they don't know what, what, what brings them joy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I speak a lot about this in the, the, the program. And and why it's linked to heartbreak and maybe, you know, sometimes it's difficult to see that because for me, the relationship was keeping me in a certain orbit and a certain way of thinking. And coming out of that was what was scary because I'm coming from a situation of my life having a known trajectory, a known, you know, even daily routine to come out of it. That's sometimes what we need to find who we are. 
is to get out of our ordinary routine. So for me, you know, I moved, you know, from one town back to another town. I was exposed to different things. Where I stayed with my um, ex-husband, I was not doing yoga, for instance. So I wouldn't have even known that I enjoyed yoga because I didn't even do yoga. So, and that's the beautiful part of it. It's now to enjoy the exploration, sort of like, oh, no, I don't know what to do. That like, fantastic. Let's have fun. Let's try some stuff. Try different stuff. Think of things that I used to enjoy. And, you know, even if I was six years old and I did it, let me see, you know, what's the equivalent for an adult or not. Just try, try. So now let's have fun trying stuff because children are adventurous. They will try so many things. So it's get out there and try, try stuff. Speak to people who are doing other things, you know, volunteer in organizations and surprise yourself. Get out of your comfort zone. And if it doesn't work, that didn't work. Okay, I'm not going to do that again. (laughs) What's next? What's next? (laughs) What is one thing somebody can do to start building connections? So talking about that person who is home alone, they are kind of you know, tucked away, haven't gotten out much, whether it's because they have had a partner that that was controlling them and, and keeping them from making connections, or if it's just that person who's afraid to put themselves out there, what is a small step that they could take to start building connections and feeling the benefit of doing that? That's a good question. And and I just want to say here, um, Claudia, that um, we should give ourselves some grace, first of all. We should give ourselves some grace because we are in the situation that we are because of the way our society has been structured. You know, it's structured. If you look at an African village, for instance, there's a, there's often a central area which is like a communal area that every you know most huts or or houses can see and it's not a car park it's a place where people meet and a lot of the time also is people are only in their huts really the huts are really just for sleeping you're not hanging out in there because a lot of them, sometimes they have, if they have windows, I mean, like really traditional because I think it helps us see in terms of the evolution is, you know, so there's small windows. So it's dark in there. So what are you going to be doing in broad daylight in a dark little room on your own? It don't make any sense. So the whole society, the structures, even the physical structures, are designed that you get out and you interact because your cooking is done outside. Your eating is done outside, right? And you are working communally. So we have to give ourselves some grace that we 
have found ourselves in a, in a society that has done the exact opposite. We're in a society that has separated us. And with time, the separations are getting further and further, particularly that we are moving from town to town, state to state or country, sometimes like me, jumping continents. So, you know, it takes time for connections to form. And then maybe every three years or you've moved several times in your life. So first, give ourselves some grace. And then secondly, be the one to take the first step. I know that might be scary, but take the first step. Whether that's picking up the phone to maybe call one friend, you know, one friendly person in your life. If there's one or if there's number, pick one person and say, let's meet up. And if you don't have that one person, then I would join some communal activity whether it's volunteering in a um, community group, the closer it is, the better, because the closer it is, the, the you know, the more, the, probably the easier it is to, to form those, those connections as well. Or if you have a passion or an interest in something and you know already that you like to paint, for instance, then you can kill two birds with one stone. You can be you know, finding out if you want to try more of this or if you know already that you like to paint or you like to dance, join a, a dance club, go for some art classes, particularly group classes. And usually the group ones tend to be a, a little bit cheaper than the one-on-one -on -one tuition anyways. So those would be the two first steps. Three, give yourself some grace to be in this kind of a society. I love it. And I love the money saving tip added on at the end because we always love to save money. What my husband, what uh, Chet and I, my husband, uh, my, my second husband, the, the love of my life who brought me over here. What we do is I realized I have to be intentional in the situation of the villages. I would bump into people even if I didn't want to, just because of the way here, even when you bump into somebody, somebody on the walk is not even greeting you, mm -hmm. is on headphones, so you can't make a connection. We have decided to be very intentional. So we have a group of friends. We do a potluck dinner mm -hmm. once a month, and it rotates in people's homes. And that's our intentional way of building community. Because even when you're as a couple, you know, we can put ourselves in a precarious situation as a couple to just be have have these two legs. Mm -hmm. We need to also create friendships even together as a couple, but even separately that enhances our relationship as a couple as well. We have thought about doing that potluck also. So you have you have inspired me. I think I think we're just going to take that leap. It's, you know, we only, we started it last year. So we did it all of this year. It has been one of our greatest sources of joy. I love that. Outside of each other, it, you know, we are humbled mm -hmm. 
Well, one of my greatest sources of joy is tattoos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> I have a bunch and you can't see any right now because I'm in a hoodie because it just turned cold here in Denver today. But I have a lot of tattoos. I love them. I know that you don't have any tattoos. I would love to know if you were going to get a tattoo, what would you get and why? Okay. I'll first explain why I wouldn't want to. I'm, I'm a sissy. So I. <laughs> pain and if I can avoid the pain and then I am very mercurial so I like to change so mm-hmm. even my hair so I would love to do a tattoo if it was henna <laughs> okay okay I can okay I like it I like it I would do henna but if I had to get a permanent tattoo it would have to be something that would be it's so permanent and central to my life that mm. 30 years from now, I would be able to look at that tattoo and say, oh, I'm still happy mm-hmm. to see you. And so I would actually tattoo, and it's funny, my niece has actually done this on the back of her spine. I would, I would tattoo my mantra that I have been chanting. Mm-hmm over you know you know part of what gives me the strength to go mm-hmm. through you know, to help me go through the craziness of life and so nam myoho and it's usually written like in chinese characters which mm-hmm. are like from top to bottom so i would probably have that okay the front that sounds too painful i think it might be less painful on the back <laughs> uh if it's right on your spine it's going to be a little painful but you know, I- yeah. I support you trying it out with henna. With so henna. So we're going to get together and we're going to make this happen. Yeah. Please ask Revolt Tattoos if they can add a, uh, a henna tattoo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will I will be their first client. Excellent. I will, I will contact them immediately. Tawani, where can people find you? So if they want to learn a little bit more about your story, if they want to join you for an amazing yoga class where they can open up and learn more about themselves, or if they want to get some henna as well, where can they find you? Right. Good luck with the henna. But <laughs> I have to go back to Zanzibar. That's where I had the best <laughs> henna tattoos. Amazing. Um, I am found in social media. So you can find me with just my names at Tawani Clark um, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, though I've got beef with Twitter. Um, Elon Musk and I are not seeing eye to eye at the moment. So skip Twitter. But you can find me on LinkedIn as well. And my brand is Kututa. This is the yoga. Kututa means to breathe or heartbeat. So it's K-U-T-H-U-T-A. So um, kututa.com or Kututa Space Yoga. And I have a group, you know, it can be, I was embarrassed. I was so embarrassed, Claudia, with my breakup. I felt like I had failed as a woman, as a mother, and as a person. And it can be embarrassing. And if other people in your life are not going through it, I kind of felt isolated. So I do have a group on Facebook called Heartbroken to Heartfelt Purpose. That if you feel, if anyone who's listening feels like they could do with some support from people 
who are going through something similar, but also support of people who have some tools and things to help along the way, because it's nice to, you know, air our grievances, but not get stuck in them. Yes. So heartbroken to heartfelt purpose is the group on Facebook that we can um, chat in. Kalani, you have been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today and sharing your story so that you can help others make those connections and move forward in their lives. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I just remembered, I do have a program coming up, a specific six-month program to help people through heartbreak and really help. It's actually called Rediscover Yourself After Heartbreak. It's going to help you make those new connections. It's going to help you release what's no longer serving you, bring in the new energy, change positives into, you know, into positives, find out what your joy is and, you know, have support through all of that. And um, yeah, so watch out for that too. Yes, that is coming soon. So be on the lookout. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media so you'll never miss what's going on. Remember, until next week, you are strong enough and you are worth it. Thank you for listening to the Strong Enough Podcast. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform by searching Strong Enough. And on YouTube, we're on the Spear Talk channel. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Strong Enough Pod. If you have suggestions for an upcoming episode or a future guest, please reach out at strongenoughpod at gmail.com. Remember, you are worth it.